0: mighty is the name of Jesus. Praise ye the name of the Lord. Hallelujah. You may be seated. Hallelujah. If you have your Bibles, turn them to the book of Matthew, chapter 9, verses 35 through 36. But we'll get right into the word tonight. God's wanting to strengthen his church. And God is very aware of the burdens we have here on earth And he's very aware of the endurance that it takes to serve him. And God has given me an assignment tonight to invite, or actually the word he used was for me to compel you to meet with him tonight. And the word compel means to make you aware of the importance of meeting with him tonight. No one in here tonight is exempt from the invitation. God's not a respecter of persons. So first I must let you know why he wants to meet with you. Because he watches over his people, and he's always interested in our well-being. God knows right where you're at tonight and what you're going through. He knows what you're struggling with. He knows what you're fighting for. He knows what you're worrying over. He knows what's weighing you down. I said he sees you. He sees you unlike others see you. Because he sees inside of you. He knows your thoughts. He knows what's on your mind. He sees your heart. He knows your pains. He knows your ways. He knows your tomorrow today. He knows in such detail, down to knowing every strand of hair on your head, because he's counted them. He knows everything about you that no one else knows, things that no one else in here may never know, including maybe even your spouse. We can keep these things from others. There's things we try to work out ourselves. We don't have to, but we choose to. And even at times, excluding God's help. But he knows about those things, too. He's all-knowing. He wants to be your very present help in times of trouble. He's a burden bearer. And tonight, he wants to help you lift those burdens off and take the weight off of you. He wants to lighten your load, and he wants to renew your strength. So let me do my part for a moment, and then I'm going to turn it over to the Lord, and it will be, it'll be between you and him at that point. So if you have your Bibles, chapter 9 of, of Matthews, verse 35 and 36, The Bible says, and Jesus went about all the cities and villages, teaching in their synagogues and preaching the gospel of the kingdom in healing every sickness and every disease among the people. That's our Savior. But when he saw the multitudes, he was moved with compassion on them because they fainted and were scattered abroad as sheep having no shepherd. This passage talks of a time in history back then and of the things in which Jesus witnessed upon the earth during his earthly ministry. But unbelievably, it still speaks of a time now of what Jesus witnesses upon the earth then can still be seen today. He saw it then and he sees it now. I can't help but believe as the Holy Spirit moves upon this earth today As he moves in our nation from city to city with what's going on in our nation, he would still see today what he saw back then. Multitudes of people who are fainted and scattered abroad as sheep who have no shepherd. And as he visits even the churches, he witnesses people who are tired and they're weary and they're battle-worn. And perhaps maybe even many believers are tired in doing well. I make my point tonight on the thought that he was moved with compassion upon them because they were fainted. They fainted. There's a lot of people who have fainted, and a lot more are about to. He noted in the Scripture there were multitudes of them, and the word multitude means a great number of people, not just a few. So we're talking about a big issue involving his people. The Bible says they fainted, and when you look in Strong's Concordance at the word fainted, it states it's an imperfect word, Of I am. I am is the perfect tense. Fainted is the imperfect tense. And tonight I want to preach about the forgotten anointing. In this pressure cooker we're in as a society where multitudes of people have fainted. To be fainted means grown weary. They're tired physically and spiritually and emotionally. Doing so because they done forgot about the power of the anointing. They have forgot about the importance of the anointing. They have forgotten about the difference the anointing makes. Even for some, they don't even know the anointed one. The fainted means they're just existing. They're having trouble even breathing. Their hearts are panting. Their minds are consumed. Fear is a factor and burden is a fact. Let us pray. Father, we come to you tonight in the precious name of Jesus Christ. Father, I'm asking you tonight, God, to do as you told me. Touch the fainted, touch the weary and the tired, and let there be refreshing of your spirit in this place, one, one that will strengthen us, God, that will strengthen our hearts and our souls and our minds, God, one that, a spirit that will lift us up, dear God, Lord, to do the work of the kingdom, the work of the ministry, and the calling that's been placed upon our life. Remind us tonight, dear God, of the power of the anointing. And the purpose it plays in our life, God. We give you all praise and glory and honor for your word. In Christ's name. And everybody said, amen. Now let me begin by saying, it's okay to become tired, to grow weary, to end up fainted. When day after day you're dealing with life issues, you're dealing with the lives of real people every day. It's normal to become weary and when dealing with family issues, with tragedies involving loved ones, with business issues, with a real divorce, with real backslidden kids. These are not just things you can throw under the rug and avoid and try to behave like a robot and put on a fake smile and drag yourself through life. No, not if you have compassion for them. Because if you do, there's going to be sleepless nights, long hours of prayer, nights of worry and working overtime. There's going to be times of no appetite, times you just want to be alone to rest. It's okay when dealing with life issues to be overwhelmed by the feelings and the emotions and compassion because it breaks our hearts when we've invested in people's lives and we see them hurting. It breaks our hearts when we have to bury people that we love, when we are devastated, when we're betrayed by those that we love. We have the wind knocked out of us when our children fell. It's okay to get up. But have to lay back down in comfort of the Holy Ghost until He gives you the strength to get back up and make it through another day. I know I got some witnesses to this in here. It's okay to lean on the Holy Ghost. It's okay to need God to wrap His arms around you and need Him to tell you one more time, you're gonna make it, son. It's okay to believe you can't make it without Him. It's okay to believe that without Him you can do nothing. Because you're too weak, you've fainted, you're under the pressures of life. Church life is real. I said it's real, and God's not just talking to them, He's talking to you. Until we get real about how we really feel, we can't get no help and you're about to faint. You're feeling like you can't tell nobody, can't let anybody know you're having a moment, that you're about to faint, about to quit, about to lose control, it's too shameful. You've done told self, you're just, just one more thing, and I'm done. So you got to keep your smile up. you got to keep showing up. I can't be looking weak. I'll lose my religious status, my place on the board, my spot on the council. I'll lose my influence in the ministry. i got to look strong, even if I'm dying on the inside. And that's what's wrong with positions they hold. They hold you hostage. They place restraints and undue pressure on your life. It's lonely at the top. The higher up you go, the lonelier it gets. To whom much is given, much is required. You can't show emotions. You can't let them see you sweat. You too often can't be you. So when real stuff shows up and you got to be real, it's quite a task to keep it all together. Because if you don't, folks will be saying you ain't real because you ain't who you appeared to be. They thought you were Dr. Jekyll, but they turned out you was Mr. Hyde. See, it's a challenge to go to work and act like everything's okay at home when it isn't. To wake up and put your face on and drive to work and sit at your desk and greet everyone with a good morning and a smile and tell them thank you and have a good day when you're having the worst week of your life. It's a challenge to walk in here on Sunday and restrain yourself from breaking down in front of folks because they just might find out that you bleed like they do and that you have troubles just like they do. But I've come to tell you, it's okay to be wary and well-doing. Can we all just get real? It would sure help some other folks who are struggling with believing they're the only ones. That they're the only ones who've ever struggled. They're the only ones who've ever been through what they're going through. Let them know they're not the only one who's ever had kids rebelling. Let them know they're not the only ones who've ever had issues in their marriage. Let them know they're not the only ones who've ever thought about giving up. If they only knew it happened to you, too. Maybe they would reach out to you for help instead of fainting all alone. There's nothing worse than being in trouble all alone, thinking no one cares. The condemnation, the intimidation will wear you down. And I came tonight knowing by the Spirit of God, everything's not all right in your life. And I've come to minister to you by the Holy Ghost. If we can just get honest tonight with God, God's going to send a refreshing in this place to revive your spirit and to strengthen you. Hallelujah. You know you're weary. You know you're weary in your marriage. You know you're weary in your job. You're weary with your kids. Weary with your sickness. You're weary with the pain that's in your body, with the pandemic, with caregiving, with real-life issues. And you're trying with everything within you to keep your smile to keep your head up, to keep your attitude in check, to pay your bills. But honestly, you're at a tipping point of fainting. And there's not just a few. There is a multitude, and Jesus sees you and all that you're going through. And tonight, he has compassion on you, and he wants to strengthen this body. He wants to heal you of your physical issues and your emotional issues. The Holy Ghost is going from city to city at this hour. In our time of need, and he's being our very present help in times of trouble. And the Holy Ghost says, if they will admit that they're tired, I will send a comforting spirit to rest upon their hearts and minds, giving them peace through the storms and the trials of their lives. If they'll call up me, I will answer them with fire. Too many people feel guilty to admit they're tired. Afraid to admit I'm waking up later than normal because I'm tired. Feel guilty to say, I need a day of rest. Feel guilty to say, I need a break for my kids, the weight of motherhood. A weekend off to clear their minds. When they call to ask you to go, you can't just tell them no. When down deep inside of you, you're too tired to go, so you just drag yourself along. When they call to ask you to do something, you can't tell them no because you're too tired to do it, so you just go and do it anyway. You drag yourself through the process, and when it's over, you go home to crash all by yourself. And you get so tired, you get to where you don't answer the phone from certain people, and you know I'm telling the truth. It's not that you don't love them or don't care, but you just can't deal with no one right now. You just need some me time. So you prepare an excuse before they call again and ask you to do something or to go somewhere. Everybody ever anybody else ever been there? It's not that you just don't want to be there with them or be with them or that you love them. It's just you're too tired to. In other words, you're fainted. Some of you are here tonight simply because you know it was the right thing to do. Yet it took everything in within you to get you here through those doors. You would have really just liked to stay at home. but you came here not by your own strength. But I believe the Spirit of God carried you here to receive a refreshing. You're so weary you don't even have the words to say when you're praying anymore. And too many times you're finding yourself just kneeling down with nothing to say. You're just going through the motions and you feel guilty about it. You used to be involved in intercessory prayer, but your own life struggles have gotten so heavy it's all you can do to pray for yourself, and it's condemning you. You see other folks seemingly got it all together and seem to be never going through anything, and it's intimidating you. What's happening? It's been too long since you've had a refreshing of the anointing. You're saying, I don't feel God anymore. You've done forgotten how it feels to feel God. It's been so long since you felt what you felt that day. He took your burdens away. You have lost the freshness of his anointing, and you're trying to go it alone. And I ask you, have you forgotten What the power of his anointing can do, what one moment in the presence of God can do. Even if it doesn't change your situation, it can change you in your situation. It gives you the strength to endure, to overcome, peace through the storm, hope in the hopeless situation. You've been so caught up in doing, and what you've been doing has been so honorable, but in your busyness, you've forgotten to take the time to be refreshed. To spend time in his presence. Jesus would go from city to city. Preaching and teaching and healing. And there were times he would grow weary. And he would go off to himself to be alone with God. And God would minister to him in a way that would strengthen him for another day. He would go and cast his cares upon his father. It was like when he ran out of gas. He would go to the filling station and he would be refueled. Too many have lost sight of it's an anointing that breaks the yokes. For many, the cares of life have choked you out. You've been carrying that load along so long, it seems endless at times. And the burdens of the world knows those you love are upon you. But there is a burden bearer who says this night, cast your cares upon me because I care for you. you become scattered and battle-worn. But night, I've come to give you life. I came to offer you an opportunity to visit with the king to restore back to you what the canker worms have stolen. I've come to break out of your, God's come to break you out of your spiritual prisons with his anointing. Have you forgotten he can do exceedingly abundantly above? Have you forgotten you can do all things through Christ? Have you forgotten that I am that I am? I'm the perfect tense. Be ye not weary and well-doing, for ye shall reap if ye faint not. Come unto me, all of you that are heavy laden, burden. I shall give you rest." Have you forgotten what his anointing can do? I can so vividly remember being saved 23 years ago. I can recall the first times I experienced his anointing and the difference it made in my life and those around me. And many of you can too. I can remember when I first got saved. I'm sure you can too. How refreshing and zealous I was in my spirit. I believed I could do anything. I remember how it helped me as I ministered. Right after I got saved, I had a, a guy who worked for me, a gentleman who ran the meat market for me at the grocery store, and we'd become pretty good friends. And then when I got saved, it seemed like we had a lot of tension in between us, well, mostly because I got saved. He was a black hole theorist. He thought, you know, that if something blew up and the girth came into existence. He didn't know God. And he would challenge me each and every day about my faith he actually caused me to study and study very hard because he had a lot of questions and I had to get a lot of answers real quick. And I ministered and ministered to him over and over and over. But finally, one day, he came to me and said, I I won't be here tomorrow. I just come from the hospital. They just took an x-ray of my granddaughter. She's got fluid on her brain and it doesn't look good, so I won't be here tomorrow. I said, okay. And he went back to work into the meat shop And I called a friend of mine in the store, Helen, and she came to my office. And my office had a ceiling that had no, had a ceiling that, well, actually didn't have a ceiling. It's an office without a ceiling. And you could hear everything out of my office, especially if you went to the bathroom that was right behind it. And I'd called Helen in there to pray with me. We got to pray for Don's granddaughter. We got to pray that God would heal her. The next morning. He comes to work after the day he went to St. Louis. The next day after he comes in that morning, bright and early, he walks in my office. Tears rolling down his face. I said, what's the matter? I thought, man, they really got some." I prayed yesterday. Me and Helen prayed yesterday. Something must have really went wrong. He prayed. He said, you probably don't know this, but yesterday when y'all was praying, I was in the bathroom. And I heard you praying for my granddaughter. Well, when we got to the hospital yesterday and they redid the scans, there wasn't no fluid there. And the only thing I know that changed was you all prayed for her. And when I got her home last night, Randy, I took her into her bedroom and I wanted to tuck her in. And I knelt down by her bed and I gave my heart and life to Jesus Christ. I still remember what the anointing feels like to lead somebody to the Lord. The anointing. I still remember the day I got a phone call about a young lady who was in the emergency room And they just give her a bad report, said she's got cancer. I remember walking into the room, and she was scared to death, and her mother stood there weeping. And I looked at the young girl. I said, I know you don't know me, but I'm Randy. And I began to talk, and I said, I've heard you've got a bad report. But I said, i got to ask you something, because to me it's more important than your report. And first of all, do you know Jesus Christ is your Lord and Savior? I said, because God will take care of you, but first you've got to get your life right with God. And so I asked her to to pray the sinner's prayer, and she agreed to. And we prayed the sinner's prayer. But as we were praying, I knew I was hearing something going on in the background. Her mama prayed too, and her mama got saved the very same day, and God healed her of the cancer. I can still remember how the anointing operates. I can remember working at the store, and there was a salesman come by weekly and visit me. And I knew he was of the Baptist faith, and... He got a bad report one day, too, about his grandson. And he caught me. and said, can I talk to you for a minute, Randy? I said, sure. We went over and we talked in a quiet spot. And he said, you know where I go and you know our preacher don't believe in healing. But I know where you go and I know you believe in healing. Would you pray for my grandson? I said, I sure will pray for your grandson. And we prayed for his grandson. And his grandson was healed by God. I can still remember what the anointing works like and what it feels like and how it operates. I remember it just like it was yesterday and so many other wonderful times, but I also know through the 23 years of serving God the weightiness of his glory, the battle of fatigue of ministry, the assault, the warfare. I know what it's like when all hell comes against your family, when it's one thing after another, and I've had to fight with everything I got, to the point I expended all of my strength, and I felt depleted spiritually and physically. I felt the weight of it, and the burdens were very heavy upon me, and I would find it hard at times to pray, because I had prayed so hard. At times, I didn't have anything else to say that I hadn't already said, but I've also felt what it's like for God to show up on my behalf and in one moment refresh me and strengthen me to live and fight for another day when I just felt like quitting yesterday. If you've ever felt like quitting, you if you've never felt like quitting, then you haven't ever done much for God. I know what it's like to fall on my knees before him and say, God, I'm done. I ain't got nothing else left. And God would begin to minister to me and touch me with that anointing that I'd forgotten and how that refreshing would bring me back to life. Hallelujah. Anybody else in here ever felt that way? If you have, would you stand as a testimony to others that you've been there too? Come on, we gotta be honest with each other. Look around. Hallelujah. It's the anointing. You have experienced the anointing. Have you forgotten about the anointing in your weary times Because God is the anointed one. Too often guilt comes with fainting. You feel guilty for not praying enough, for taking a day off, for not doing more. You should have been there. You should have had more patience. You shouldn't have given up. Just one situation can literally drain you of your strength. A life-changing condition can alter your faith. A life-changing loss can lead you into oppression and depression. Real life situations can cause you to faint. And if you think you're too strong to faint, take heed lest you fall. Thanks be unto God that the God of the mountain is still the God of the valleys. That when things go wrong, that it's his desire to show himself strong on your behalf. Why? Because when he sees his people are fainted, his compassion moves upon them. There are so many wounded people in this world and if you want to know if you're wounded, ask yourself this question: Does it still hurt to talk about it? If so, you're still wounded. And you need to be healed Tonight. It's time. You looked that wound long enough. It can be condemning at times to know you should get past something that you haven't. To know you should have forgiven them by now, but you haven't. You feel like you don't have the strength to because you're tired, and you're tired. Because you spend all of your energy trying to hate someone that you used to love. Let it go. It's okay to be tired. Have you ever thought about Moses when you begin to feel guilty about yourself being tired? Moses, that great man of God who walked in the glory of God, met God face to face, penned the Ten Commandments. Moses, that great man Moses that delivered the Israelites out of 400 years of Egyptian bondage. Moses, that led them across the Red Sea, parted by God onto dry ground. Moses, the man of courage and faith, seeing that great man of God and how strong and anointed he was, could be intimidating, condemning, upon comparison of my life, until I seen Moses, that great man Moses, got weary too. In Exodus 17, 11, the Bible says, As long as Moses held up his hands, the Israelites were winning, but whenever he lowered his hands, the Amalekites were winning. When Moses' hands grew tired, they took a stone and they put it under him, and he sat on it. Aaron and Hur held up his hands, one on one side, one on the other, so that his hands remained steady till sunset. It verifies Moses got tired in his battles, but when Moses got tired, God didn't condemn him. No, God sent him a rock to lean on and a brother to help him hold up his hands. See, when we get tired, Jesus, the rock of our salvation, just says, lean on me when you're not strong. I'll be your friend. I'll help you carry on. And God will place some people in your life who do care enough to help you if you'll let them. Come on, somebody. Aren't you thankful when you're tired? You got a rock to lean on. Aren't you thankful you got a brother that will help you hold up your hands until the battle's over? And they won't condemn you. No, they will have compassion on you because they've done been where you've been. I'm here to tell you the devil is a liar. There is still the anointed one who goes from city to city watching over his people. Church, he's in Portland, and he sees his people scattered and fainted. But he's right there, ready to be the rock. All folks are talking about is what Satan is tearing down. Ain't nobody talking about what God's building up and lifting up. I'm here to tell you there's a cry of despair on one street, but yet two streets over, there's a shout of praise. Hallelujah. Folks are tired. Spiritual warfare will drain you. But there is a filling station right beside you. You need to pull into before you run out of gas. It will never be shut down, nor will it ever let you down, just waiting on you for you to say, Lord, fill me again. I'm telling you, the Holy Spirit, the Comforter tonight is in this place. And if we're going to survive the demonic onslaught that's invaded our nation, we'll never do it without the power of the Holy Ghost. He's not outdated. He's not antiquated. His breath is afresh and anew. And God is sending a fresh fire with the wind of his spirit to empower the sons of God and the righteousness of God in the last days outpouring. It's going to take more than just being saved to endure the vicious, malicious attacks of our enemy. And God told me to tell the church that our silence has been a reproach to his kingdom. And he's telling his church, lift up your voice with a voice of triumph and be ye filled with the Holy Ghost because there's more. Hallelujah. There's more to this life than being beaten down, living in fear and doubt and discouragement. I bind the spirit of oppression. I bind the spirit of depression. I break the curse of bondage off of your life. The Holy Spirit, the breath of God, is a powerful and unpredictable force. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. With it, he breathed creation into existence, man into existence. In the book of Acts, he breathed on his disciples, and they received the breath of God, that same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. And it's going to be the same spirit that's going to raise the church in these last days when he pours out his spirit upon all flesh because the wind of his spirit, the Holy Ghost, is going to blow again. And I'm here tonight simply to tell the church God's fixing to breathe on the church with his spirit, the breath of God, the Ruach. If you're sick and tired of being sick and tired, then you pick the right night to be here because it's your night. And according to this passage of Scripture, there's something about God seeing weary people that moves him to compassion. Because the Bible said in verse 35, he was going from city to city. And he was preaching, he was teaching, he was healing every sickness and disease. But then in verse 36 says, when He seen the faint, the weary, He was moved with compassion upon them. When he saw the multitude of people who were following him on their journey, weary and tired and fainted, he had compassion for them. He moved from the people who needed a miracle to those who were weary and tired, who were just as important to him. And because of the distinction he made between the weary and the sick, it lets me know weariness is not a disease, nor is it a sickness. It's okay to admit you're tired. You're human. Stop feeling guilty. We need rest and sleep. Our human bodies wear out. Our bodies are inferior compared to our makers, who is a God who neither sleeps nor does he slumber. He was compassionate to those who followed him from city to city, those who got tired along their journey. And this passage lets you know his preaching and his teaching alone could not conquer their weariness. No, Jesus knew he had to comfort them, that he had to stop and personally minister to them, and remind them, I'm still here with them. Remind them, they still got an anointing, so he met with them here to remind them of their anointing and refresh them by his spirit. He says, I've got to give my beloved sleep. I've got to give them peace and comfort to those who grow weary. He knew by seeing them and by them being in his presence, they would renew their strength. He knew they were tired physically, spiritually, and emotionally. And he didn't want them to give up. He wanted them to fight the good fight with faith and endurance. Jesus knew what they were missing. He knew their flesh was tired and their hearts were weary. And he'd done been where they had been before. They'd lost sight of regardless how tired or weary they were that they're still anointed. But in their tiredness, their flesh is overcoming their faith. Your anointing is like an oil reserve that supplies your faith. But when your well runs dry, faith has lost its supply. And the only way you're going to have it restored is to have your tanks refilled. But so many people right now are just driving on empty. And when you run out, you can't go forward anymore. You shut down. And that's when the enemy wears you out and tries to convince you you're through, to go ahead and quit. You ain't got what it takes. But not if I got anything to do with it tonight I'm going to stand in the gap for somebody tonight. I'm going to sound the alarm. I'm going to be nothing more than a reminder tonight that God's not through with you. Your problem is you've forgotten about the anointing and the power of it. And you've been beaten up and you've been stepped on and lied on and talked about and worn down to the point you're fainted. And it's time for you to have a God moment. I'm expecting in any moment some folks could have a God moment in here tonight. For some of you, it's been so long, you don't even remember what else it feels like to have a God moment. I'm expecting at any moment, God's going to begin to release a wave of his anointing upon this place. I'm talking about the kind that when it falls upon you, chains begin to be broken. Captives are set free, causes folks to run to an altar to pray through. The kind that begins to make your knees shake. The kind that begins to make you take off running or begin to dance or speak in tongues. The kind that causes our guests to feel his presence. I want to go to 1 Corinthians 15, 51-52. Just two scriptures for just a quick moment. The scripture says, Behold, I tell you a mystery. We shall not all sleep, but we shall all be changed in a moment in the twinkling of an eye. At the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound and, be, and the dead will be raised incorruptible and we shall be changed. Of course, this scripture is talking about the second coming of Christ, saying any moment, this could all be over and we could be with Jesus. And you might wonder, what's that got to do with the context of my message? Well, there's just something in there I want to borrow, a part of the scripture, to make a point how fast God can change things. The scripture said, in the twinkling of an eye, God can change things even if it's dead to life. Proving my point how important it is to have a God moment. Because in one moment, God can change you and your situation from being weak to strong, empty to full, from counted out to counted in, from doubtful to faithful. I want to talk to you about a God moment. Now, we've all had moments in our lives, some good, some bad. Some we want to remember, some we'd like to forget. A moment represents a position of time. You even use the word moment to describe an appointment or an expectation that you have. You say things like, now, in a moment, we're going to go eat. You're declaring an expectation. You're clar- declaring not too long from now. You're declaring in appointed time, you're expecting something's going to take place. In other words, you believe it's going to happen shortly. Think about that. At a certain time, as to say at a certain moment, something's going to happen. Something that you plan with an expected result. At that very second, something will transpire or transition or expire. Something's been birthed or something's become dead or something showed up or came to be or ceased to be. And I can go on and on about moments we've had. We all had our moments, it's often said, and true it is. But a moment in itself is different than a God moment. See, man can produce or dictate when a moment might take place, but a God moment is only produced and dictated by God. It's like comparing natural to supernatural. A natural moment works within the realm of natural laws. It produces a natural result, such as you plant corn, you get corn, right? See, when corn is processed, it happens through a natural process, and it produces natural results through the boundaries of nature's time. Stay with me. I hope you're getting this. But a God moment works within the realm of the supernatural God's time that can exceed the natural laws, producing a supernatural result and even supersedes the boundaries of time. Only God can produce a God moment. And in those moments, he can do exceedingly abundantly above anything you're able to ask or think. See, there was nothing that was created that he didn't create. He's a creator. Man is only an inventor. Man can only take what God has created to make something. For if there wasn't something already there, man couldn't make anything. But yet God takes nothing and makes something out of nothing, saying that when you're down to nothing... It's only God who can create something to happen to give you something that man can never invent. That when you end up having a God moment to where you can't explain where it came from, how it happened, you just know it happened. That all you had was a little oil and a little flour in the barrel. And you made a cake to feed you and your son one last meal before you were going to die from hunger. And after you ate it for some strange reason, you rechecked the barrel one last time and it was full again. You don't know how it happened or when it happened. It happened so fast, it's like it came out of nowhere. I can't explain it other than It had to be God. You had a God moment. How many are ready for a God moment? I know you've had some moments in your life that only made you expect a natural result, but I'm talking about a God moment where at a certain moment, at a certain time, something happened that gave you an unexpected result to where no matter how you try to explain it, it don't add up. You asked for a handful, but you got a barrel full. It was a moment where impossible came possible. There was no way you could have seen it ever changing. No way you could have ever seen you receiving it. No way you could ever believe you deserved it. It happened so fast it made your head spin in one moment. At one moment you were dying. The next moment you were healed. At one moment you was broke. At the next moment you got blessed. One moment he was leaving you, but the next moment he said he was staying. One moment, she said she could never forgive you, yet in the next moment, she walked in the door and said, I forgive you. One moment, they were closing the factory, but the next moment, they called you and said, come back to work tomorrow. At one moment, the cabinets were bare, the kids were starving, but the next moment, someone knocked on the door carrying a bag of groceries and said, these are for you, God bless you. Come on, somebody. Are you ready for a God moment? <laughs> Hallelujah. See, by natural law, I should have died. By natural law, I should have been divorced. By natural law, I should have died from the overdose. By natural law, I should have been crippled by the accident. But I had a God moment to where natural results were superseded without explanation. Matter of fact, the result you got, don't even, you don't even care how it can be explained. You just care that it happened. And the only explanation you got is God did it. Something you need to know about God moments is what the other scripture reveals to us. First of all, God has moments. They're a plan to bless you. God's a blesser, and what you receive is the blessing. And what did the Scripture reveal about God? That in a moment, God can change things. Then notice the next verse. Very important to know about a God moment, and that's they happen fast. Like wham, you never seen it coming. At a time you weren't expecting it, when you thought it was over, when it wasn't going to happen, that he wasn't going to show up, how fast can God moment happen? In the twinkling of an eye. Now how fast is that? Let's see. Ready? How fast was that? Try it. How fast is that? How long has it been since you had a moment with God? You see, I'm here to tell some folks who are just expecting natural results to your circumstances and conditions and afflictions and trials and tragedies. That in one God moment, your situation, the result of your situation can change faster than you can blink your eye that you can have a result you never expected. In a moment at a certain time, your natural results can become supernatural results without explanation. The only explanation for John Sell sitting in this church tonight is God. He fought a lung disease for years. He was worn down. He was tired from the daily struggle of it, physically, emotionally, spiritually spent But one day, and I'd say at the midnight hour, an appointed time, he had a God moment. Natural elements were superseded by supernatural elements. Come on, somebody. Let me preach to you tonight about what God can do. I'm going to go ahead and ask the musicians if you would come. See, a God moment can take you from worry to relief, from fear to confidence, from not enough to more than enough, from tired to inspired, from death to life. You see, at one moment, Paul and Silas were in jail. But the next moment, the walls of jail fell down and they were free. One moment, Daniel was staring some hungry lions in the face. But at the next moment, God shut the lion's mouth. At one moment, Shadrach and Meshach and Beno were in the ferny fires all alone. But at the next moment, God was in the fire with them. Come on, somebody, stand to your feet with me. See, God's promised if you'll draw nigh to him, he'll draw nigh to you. I don't know what everyone else in here is going through, but I do know this, that we're all going through something. And I know that God has planned a moment for you tonight to strengthen you, to encourage you, to refresh you. And our God is an experiential God. What happens from this point on is between you and God, whether you act upon faith and respond to this call or not. Because the word I've given you tonight is to be used to encourage your faith that just like that, God can change your heart, your perspective, your attitude, your situation. He can lift your burden. He can give you rest. He can give you peace. If he can change this old body from mortal to immortal in the twinkling of an eye, if any moment he can split the eastern sky and raise the dead and take us home to glory, he can change your situation in one moment with God. Are you ready for a God moment? Hallelujah. If we're going to be the church that the pastor preached about this morning, Pentecostal, flowing in the spirit, making an impact in these last days, then we're going to have to be refreshed and stay refreshed in the Holy Ghost by having moments with God. If Jesus had to have God moments on his journey on this earth, how much more should we have to You know, tonight I'm going to give an invitation for every hardworking man or woman, for every hardworking mom, for every teacher, for every preacher, in just a moment to come to this altar. To every person that says, I've grown weary, ministry can be hard. Running a business can be stressful. Motherhood can be overwhelming. Careers can take their tolls upon us. Sickness and disease can oppress you. Real life can cause you to grow weary and tired. And tiredness leads to hopelessness. To where you come to a place you're even sick or tired of being sick and tired. I'm going to invite you to come in just a moment to lay at the feet of Jesus. Before you do, I want to include some others. There's people who are standing right beside you. And you don't even have no idea how tired they are or even any idea what they're going through. Or maybe you do. In a moment, I'm going to invite you, and I'm going to ask you to come and grab that friend's hand and bring them with you. Sometimes we've got to be led to move. Before also, I want to speak to married couples. I'd be safe in saying your spouse is going through some things that are weighing on his or her heart more than they're letting on. They've just been trying to be strong for you. and They've been trying to go it alone. And they're ashamed to admit they're tired. Some are even feeling guilty at times about being tired or doing something they love to do. Pastor Wilson. Pastor Patrick. Pastor Gibson. All three had things in common. Some things. They were all preachers. They all pastored mega churches. They all had spouses, children, and friends. Yet sadly, hear me, they had another thing in common. They all committed suicide this year. And those closest to them were shocked. Many saying they knew they had struggles, but I didn't know it was that deep. Maybe your spouse's burden is bigger than you know. Or maybe you do know the burden, the stress they're under. In a moment, I'm going to ask you too to come grab your spouse by the hand and come and have a moment with God. To not come to this altar while God's ordained this moment to minister to the multitude, the fainted with compassion. It would be like to be in the desert with a canteen around your neck full of water. And you die of thirst because you never drank from it. You never stopped long enough to be refreshed. And the whole time you had what you needed by your side. So it is with the Holy Spirit, the Comforter. So now, I invite all of you. Come and take a moment out of your schedule. Come spend a moment with God. Be refreshed. Come and take a drink of living water. For you shall reap If you faint not, would you come all over this place? I invite you. You say, I'm coming to be refreshed. I'm coming to the God of compassion that knows right where I'm at, right what I'm going through. I've got burdens, troubles, and trials. I'm human like everybody else. I don't have to feel guilty about it anymore to say that I'm tired. I don't have to feel guilty to say I've got struggles or problems. I can come honestly to the throne room of grace and drink of the living water. If you guys would go ahead and play. I need some prayer warriors to come help me pray, please.
1: Your promise still stands Great